Hello everyone, Brian Tuck back with you again on Creator Confidential. This is a recap of Chapter 3 of The Mandalorian, which is an episode entitled The Sin, which is, uh, I'm sure, imperfectly, intentionally ambiguous because there are a couple of different things that uh, happen in this episode that uh, could be a sin depending on whose side of the table you're on. So, my friend David Below joins me from Detroit, Michigan once again, and we're about to get into it. Before we do that, please remember to like or subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you are listening, whether it's Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever else. Uh, God, this, this format's tough because everything's so fragmented. So anyway, if you enjoy this, please forward this episode to a friend because that would be a huge help for the show's visibility. Let's get into it. Chapter three, The Mandalorian, The Sin. You're listening to Creator Confidential with attorney, author, and musician, Brian Tuck. Brian's legal practice is focused on arts and entertainment law, startups, nonprofits, and faith-based organizations. To learn more, visit tucklaw.com on the web. Creator Confidential starts now. Episode three. Let's get into it. Uh, David and I have not talked about this until right now. So curious to hear his thoughts. And to the extent there are any spoilers in here, I don't, I don't even know if that, if people are really worried about that kind of stuff anymore, but if you are, we will warn you because something pretty cool happens at the end that I'm not going to say what it is yet, but at the end of the episode, some things go down. Um, and it's probably better to see that not being prepared for it, in my humble opinion. So, Dave, what did you think? Uh, well, I, I think it was pretty unanimous across the board that this is one of the cooler things that we've seen in The Mandalorian, if not at all in a Star Wars property in the last 10 years. You know, there's always there's always something cool and badass in a Star Wars movie. There's always a moment, you know, even if it's something that people debate about as a movie overall. But I mean, this was just a killer episode uh, in terms of getting to see Mando be be his badass self. I, I, I think you would probably agree. And and for the origin, not the origin, but the character development of the second episode that kind of uh, got across the, uh, you know, started, planted the seeds of the bonding between him and the bounty or the asset, as they keep calling it, um, made the third episode and all the stuff that goes down in it, uh, that much more fun, you know, to, to kind of, to, to see this side of the Mandalorian come through. And so you get both elements, you, you get him being his awesome bounty hunter self, but for a really, uh, endearing sentimental reason in a way. And we can, we can, I guess, dive into what those reasons are as we talk about it. Well, yeah, and we really learn a lot in this episode. A lot is revealed and it, it, some of it was very subtle in terms of what his people, his tribe, his religion, his cult, whatever, whatever, I, and I don't think we actually know if it's a religion or if 
it is a tribal thing or they're all from the same planet or they have chosen this life. Mm-hmm. Quick recap without without a spoiler-free recap. Let's let's say it that way. The Mandalorian returns the asset, the baby Yoda, if you will, to the client. And again, we have a great a short but very intense performance by uh, Werner Herzog again. And I really want this dude to just narrate stuff all the time. Yeah. I mean, it, his, <laughs> his delivery is in, is just awesome. And as it, you can tell right away that the minute Mando gets into the client's office or whatever that space is called, you can tell something bad is is coming up. It just has that kind of foreboding feel to it. The stormtroopers grab the uh, the the electric baby baby uh, carriage, floating baby carriage away uh, from Mando rather roughly, and then it is quickly taken back with uh, Doctor Pershing into a separate room, and then. Mando does something which we didn't know until now was for was forbidden or against the against the rules. And again, going back to the fact that there's even a guild that has uh, a set of rules and procedures uh, is is a bit humorous and paradoxical in that they're all uh, kind of gunslinger, free agent, um, you know, loners, right? It's so it's it's mm-hmm. odd that they would belong to a, to a union essentially, and what he does is he asks the client what his intentions are with Baby Yoda. At this point, the client gets you know a little bit prickly, and the stormtroopers come in, and he ends up leaving. He take he takes the best car, he takes the steel takes the payment and walks walks out of there. Going forward, and I'll, I'll make this really short. So let's why don't we break down that sequence for a second, mm-hmm. if if uh, if you don't mind. Yeah. So yeah, well, rewatching it again um, and going through some of those scenes, and actually I'm going to pull it up right here because I'm still on the TV. Um, the that scene there was out. You know how we talk about how Mandalorian does so many good uh, emoting through the mask and the helmet just by the tilt of the helmet and the way that the that the T visor is angled in a certain way. It can completely intend um, intensity or focus or uh, or lightheartedness or, you know, just a casual glance to the side. It all has to do with the with the angle, you know, how he's looking into the camera, how the camera is capturing it and the movement of the head. It's, it's crazy good how subtle they can do that. So, you know, that they're making sure that every scene, every reaction shot is like, there's probably a team of guys around the monitor in the video village tent off camera going, did we get it? Does that seem like he's thinking this? Because there's a real subtle one during that scene that you're talking about that, uh, um, that he kind of, I think he pulls his head back a little bit over his shoulders, but you get that sense that he's starting to wonder about baby Yoda, you know, like he just, there's something, 
I, I think it's when they take the baby Yoda away or they, they, they mention something, but he, he does move his head in this certain way that makes you go, wow, I, I think, I think that's the first second thought, you know, yeah, that I, he's starting to go, um, the, the, the first note of concern maybe is a, is a good way to put it. They, you know, you know and that's an excellent pickup. There is a, there's a ton of that kind of, you know, acting, I guess I would say, um, mm-hmm. in this episode, not just the main character, but some other characters as well, as we'll talk about later, because, uh, the next, the next chunk of this episode is, is really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. so he takes the steel, he, he walks out, he goes back to the Apollo Creed slash union leader, union boss. Um, and immediately, Oh wait, actually, no, that's not what happens next. What happens next is he goes back to the underground, uh, sort of like, you know, catacombs where all of the remaining Mandalorians in this area live. And, and what we learn is that they live underground. They only go to the surface one at a time, which mm-hmm. explains a lot because before this scene that we're, we're about to describe in the entire live action universe, the, you know, all of the films, including, you know, Rogue One and the others, you never see more than one person in this type of armor in the same scene. This is the first time this ever happens. And mm-hmm. you correctly uh, identified last time we talked that, you know, there were a whole bunch of these guys in, in that mm-hmm. underground, in that underground um, cat uh, cave, I guess. And it wasn't, it was hard to see in the first one, but here they're all out in the open. They all come out of the shadows because as soon as he unveils the steel, everybody wants to see what's going on, where it came from. And, and, oh, yeah. And you get to see how cool their outfits are too. Way more detail. And there's, and, and that there's personality and, uh, you know, personal flourishes, which make you start wondering, okay, why does this guy have, a Mandalorian helmet like this. Why does he have, why does this one or her have these colors? You know, it's really cool to side by side them or, you know, freeze frame it and look at, you know, the, how they decided to, uh, uh, adorn themselves. And, you know, and there's probably, and there's probably going to be one of those books for kids to buy pretty soon. Like how they have those, uh, um, and, uh, those, uh, graphical cross sections of all the spaceships and stuff. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to, they could sell money on, okay, you know, this Mandalorian is dressed like this because it comes from this tribe. And this guy has their helmet like this, you know, with the sharper cheekbones like Mandalorians versus another one. You know, it's it's really fun to to uh, to study those things and nerd out on them. It is, you know, yeah. like the way when we would look at the back of Star Wars figures yeah. cards when they came out, like, what's that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's so. it's a deep rabbit hole for sure. And it really it, it's but it's it is it feels organic. It resonates with the real world. It's, you know, you look back to, you know, suits of armor, you know, that you, you would see in books from, you know, from the middle ages and mm-hmm. same deal, you know, those, you know, different knights had their armor customized, not only in appearance, but in inscription or engraving. And they were all a little bit different. It's not like it's a uniform, you know, like, like you look at the stormtroopers, they're all the same. 
These guys mm-hmm. are all the same guys and ladies, I should say. Yet they're all different. So it makes, I think, from the standpoint of, of storytelling, that's a really great aid. That's That really yeah. helps you advance the character by what they look like, you know, what their armor looks like, or, or you know, if it implies any kind of rank or significance or or what have you. So yeah. um, interesting choices they made there. And he, he takes this, this supply of steel that he's been, that he has earned as his commission. And he, he takes it back to the, to the blacksmith and she creates a whole new suit of armor for him, reserving some of the best car for, the orphans, which is as it should be. And then we mm-hmm. hear, uh, I don't want to call it a catchphrase, but it's definitely a, it, it's almost used like it is punctuation in a sentence. Uh, and we learn a new phrase, this is the way, which is mm-hmm. what all the Mandalorians say to themselves and each other when uh, it's almost like, you know, may the force be with you or, you know, or, so say we all from Battle so say we all. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking. Of, I was thinking about that too. Um, so we're we really re- this episode reveals a lot about the way they interact with one another. As we find in that scene, there are some words that are had and some uh, uh, um, opinions that differ, and then things get a little intense. But the way it ends up. Um, uh, the way the, the the way that plays out is coming around to that. This is the way where it, that seems to be the reset button of, hey, we're all in, you know we're all in this together as this small band of you know rogue uh, um, Mandalorians trying to keep our culture and our legacy and our heritage together. And if we infight, it's you know it's not going to help anything. You yeah. Know, so, so, but you know, but 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 it also gets across that you know what I mean. It's like, yeah, we're all in this together, but we definitely um, aren't always going to agree with how we should operate within it. But you know, that's like any any uh, you know rebellion or not a rebellion, but you know what I mean. Like any kind of group of people that uh, you know th- that have the odds against them, and they're like, we got to keep this tight. We got to keep this ours. So you know, nobody. Draw, nobody paint outside the lines too much or get too cocky, you know? Well, and a, and a couple of things about that. So they are living underground, or it seems to me it's implied they're living underground. They're the survivors of a war or an event they refer to as the purge, where mm-hmm. it, it seems as though there was, there was an, a, a military attempt to wipe them out. Yeah. And we see in a flashback a child that it's implied is the Mandalorian. I'm assuming it's the same person who, yeah. who's, who, his, who I think his parents, it looks like his parents, and he are mm-hmm. escaping, um, escaping some blaster fire. And there's, you know, they're in a war, you know, in a war zone. And he yeah. gets put, it- he gets put in a, uh, like in a basement, and as the parents are closing the door, there's an explosion, and and they're vaporized. Then the door opens, and we see one of the one of the Trade Federation battle droids. It looks off, yeah. right? I mean, that's who. It oh was. yeah, yeah. It's a it's a super battle droid, and um, 
which, which when there was that, it seems like every, when, um, when Mando goes to get the Beskar steel smelted down and made into things, it's, I was just thinking today about how, as a side note, what a great, um, what a great little writing, um, thread that they do that every time he sits down to watch more of his armor getting made, that's when he goes through the flashbacks of what causes him or what caused him to go on to a life where he needed to build up his armor, you know, emotionally, psychologically, and literally for the trade that he's in. It's just, I mean, it's obvious and yet it's not, but it's, it's, it's a nice subtle thing. Cause I thought, Oh, I wonder if he, if he's going to, if there, if this is going to be the vehicle, every time he gets, you know, every time he puts on more armor, we get to learn a little bit more about what went down and how it went down. Like, you know, him, you know, which is also great because who doesn't zone off in their life when you're sitting around a campfire and staring into the fire. So he's staring into the fire. That's also helping protect him literally with the armor he made, but it's probably protecting him psychologically and emotionally because he's around a fire surrounded by his people. And the one thing that, you know, all these layers of things that protect him. That, that's an interesting uh, yeah that's an interesting take on that i i didn't i did not equate the uh the furnace to a campfire but now that you say it that way that makes a lot of sense and i think the armor definitely is a metaphor for it's another way to convey his mental state it absolutely yeah. because prior to getting the new suit made um you know, we see him going about his business and playing by the rules to the extent he can play by the rules of the guild, that is. Mm-hmm. However, once he gets this new suit of armor made, he does go, he truly does go rogue and goes a bit nuts at the end of this. And I'm wondering if it's because, like you said, you know, he, the armor is, is, a metaphor. He makes up his mind to do something rather significant because maybe he feels like I, I think I can pull this off now. If he if he feels more protected, if he feels more like the person or the warrior or the Mandalorian that he needs to be, because he has further completed the psychological and emotional and literal armor that he feels can keep him safe that would help with making such a, um, a risky choice that he does, you know, that, that is going to completely now change. Now it's going to exponentially complicate and, um, is complexify a word. It is now. <laughs> I don't know. As it is now, um, and complexify his world and his fate and his destiny and the kind of people he's going to be able to work with or not work with, because we know for sure he's not going to be able to work with a lot of them, you know, here's, and, uh, <laughs> here's but, where but we, but, here's where yeah. we give you the spoiler alert. So if you don't want to be surprised, if you do want to be surprised when you watch the end of this, um, what, turn it off now. Yeah, turn this turn <laughs> this episode pause this, go watch the rest of the episode and then come back. Where we where we are in this in the narrative of the story is he has the new armor on, he has determined that he's going to go do something about a problem that his has been tr- clearly troubling him and he goes back to the client 
and knocks on the door. Okay, here's where you should pause this podcast. Go watch it and come back. So he, the rifle, this this huge tuning fork, insane rifle that he has allows him, it's a great device, again, from a storytelling perspective. He needs a tool in his hand that that gets very little explanation and doesn't take any time away that yet gives him some abilities to learn information that he would not otherwise learn. So in this case, he climbs to the rooftop of the building across the alley from the client's place. And the rifle has a way of hearing, like seeing thermal images through walls and hearing what is going on in a room without actually being in there. So it's a really clever, a clever device as a writer to have something by his side that needs no explanation. He just puts it up, he looks through the scope, he tunes the the knobs a little bit, and he can hear the client and Dr. Pershing talking about basically killing Baby Yoda. Pershing says, we've been ordered to return him alive. And the client wants Baby Yoda exterminated after whatever they've been doing with it. It's not really explained what they did with it. Mm-hmm. Um and at that point, he goes down, and and this is really almost—it's kind of like a John Wick type sequence. Yeah, he he goes into this, you know, greatly outnumbered, and just guns his way through the stormtroopers. Um, it's interesting to note that in the medical room where they have the baby Yoda, there is there is one of those imperial black spherical probes that's that's suspended in the air like we see in episode four yeah the interrogation droid and then and then there's uh another another fun easter egg that i liked before he got to that spot that i was meaning to bring up was when he's walking to that um when he's going back to the client site and he goes by and he goes by that dumpster and he sees the baby the baby care the floating Mm -hmm. uh baby pod right if in the back corner in the back corner against the wall and this is another one of those great subtle Easter egg touches is there is this long metal pod that has these, these, uh, bumpy, like there's two spots where they're like these bumpy grip parts, maybe like handles. It's the same kind of metal rod that Han and Luke were trying to use to stop the trash compactor. So it's, it's all, there's so many fun little things littered around that are like obvious and not obvious, but you're like, wait, I've, we've seen that before. It was so cool. And uh, like you said, and like the Imperial interrogation droid, which is great because, I mean, and, and and they even frame it the same way, like the way when it was coming at Leia, New Hope, it just it's kind of coming towards the camera and you see that needle and the, the music's rising a little bit. And you're like, oh, yep, I remember that feeling first time I saw that. And the, and, and then, the sound that the droid makes is identical to yep. the one in episode four. So now we know that these guys have Imperial hardware. And, and like, technically it might be old tech, you know, I mean, if, yeah. because you think about it, that thing's like 30 years old. That's you know, true. If it's, or, or no, 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 actually no. Cause if it's five years after Jedi, then it's, yeah, it's probably 20. nine or eight years, something like that. Mando gets in this space with Pershing. He's, he's wiped out most of the stormtroopers. He grabs baby Yoda and he walks. And that was kind of neat though, too, because he comes in and he's about ready to take out the Dr. Pershing with the Imperial sunglasses. And that guy, 
cowers so much. And like every time he's ever gotten, he's run into Mando, he's cowered. And then this time he's really pleads. He's like, and, and they did a great job of it, I think, because with his body language of like, he's, he's totally cowering. He's totally hiding his face. He's like, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. He's like, you know, I, I, I you know, this thing is still alive because of me. They wanted to kill it. You know, just in, in, in I thought that they, they, I don't know why they just did a great job of, um, cause it, it seems like such a throwaway thing, but you know, that Mando, like he, he doesn't care. You know what I mean? He, he's like, you guys are all empire. You're all in on this. And the fact that that guy being so afraid and so cowering and yet so determined to be like, look, like, I'm not really that bad. Like I'm, I'm not trying to kill this thing just for the fun of it. You know, it makes you wonder why Mando spared him. You know, something in because because it's right. just, it's one less complication down any possible road if he just takes this guy out. But Mando's pretty smart. So maybe he's going to come back and find this guy and be like, what was the point? Why did you guys need him? Maybe this maybe this Persian guy becomes maybe he defects. Maybe he's like, look, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to make my way and keep my old job. But I know all my bosses are dicks. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just going through it. And so, you know what I mean? It's just, and I think that, um, it, yeah. that, could, that could be an interesting thing, you know, like leaving that one guy, you know, we'll find out because he, he is an interesting character because you, from like what we talked about in the, in the first episode, the first time he comes in, he's like, Whoa, he's pretty skittish. And, you know, someone aims a blaster at him and he's mush. And, um, yeah. So, um, uh, I don't you know. know. I, I, think right. I think that was an interesting choice that he, that, that it was, it, you know, is that like another seed of this empathy, like this, this, this doggone empathy and sympathy for other life forms that Mando is, that Yoda is instilling in him? Like, okay, maybe I don't have to kill this guy. He doesn't seem that bad. So. Well, it's, uh, that is not, that's unknown. It's open to interpretation for sure because. I'm when you see when you watch this sequence, it unfolds very rapidly. And again, yeah. you know, almost like in a John Wick kind of tempo. Um, and and also for very to, believable. For, yeah, and, and they did it in a very believable way. Like like he that you know he's a sharp you know obviously Mando's a sharpshooter. He knows how to use his tech, and yet at the same time, which I'm sure endeared any Star Wars moms that were watching it. He's doing it while he's got a baby in one arm. So he's doing all this. He, you know, he's, he's, he's John wicking out while with one arm and because the other arm is holding Star, a baby. You Star know what Wars I mean? moms. That's a new demographic. I think it might yeah, be. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah. You know, the ones that, the ones that dress up as slave Leia at the cosplay conventions, the, <laughs> no, um, I don't know. they're out there. And, um, you know, just because it's like, it, it gets this whole thing like, you know, you know, not my baby, you know, just like he's doing all this cool stuff and he's got all the tricks up his sleeve and you're like, this isn't, his, this isn't his first rodeo with getting out of a sticky situation. But the fun part of that, he's, you know, got a baby Yoda in his arms. Just, you know, I, I know my kids loved it. They thought it was so cool. Well, and, that's, uh, and we also get to see some good old fashioned gadgets uh, yeah. in, in this sequence. He, he has a flamethrower. He, he incinerates one of the stormtroopers at close range. It's pretty sweet. And, yeah. um, and, <laughs> and he's pretty got, intense, gotta and, say. And he, he they, takes four. They heard on a beat of hearing that guy scream. It was like, 
whoa, <laughs> they, that's a little PG thirteen. They did let that linger a bit longer than the others. It was that was interesting. I noticed that. Yeah. Um, so moving moving on to the very end. Now this is one of the things I'm getting a little bit uneasy about. As good as this has been so far, mm-hmm. what I think would really suck is if we get a lot of Marvel kind of like pollination on this, which is, you know, I know John Favreau did Iron Man and all of that's great. But the next scene that we're about to talk about, and we are, we are leaving some of it out because you can't, you just can't cover the whole thing. But when he takes baby Yoda out of there, every other bounty hunter in the town also had a tracking fob. They all Mm -hmm. get alerted that, that the assets being moved. And now not only has he had to fight his way out of the stormtroopers, but all of his guild fellow guild members, fellow union members now turn on him and they're all trying to bring him down and retrieve um, r- retrieve uh, Baby Yoda. Yeah, and the bounty sh- is valid again. Yep, and he and starts, they're, and they're all, and they know how much it's going to pay now that he's walking around with that armor. It's like, wait, if he got that much Beskar, if I get this Baby Yoda back now, I'm gonna, I can write my own ticket for the rest of my time. Yep, and and so now he fights the entire, literally fights the entire town. Like you don't see. I'm trying to think of another, you know, a western or. Or something uh, like would, that. Um, the Unforgiven didn't didn't he do that? Like Unforgiven at the end, he kind of yeah, pretty it. much. Yeah, it he is. It. it is some. It is somewhat like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing that happens. And I thought, geez, this looks a lot like a bu- a bunch of Iron Men flying in, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that's a good thing for the Star Wars franchise. But that's just me. So. Mm-hmm. When things look bad for the Mandalorian, he's he's in a gunfight with 20, 25, 30 people racing after him. And he gets pinned down. And then at the very end, the other Mandalorians just appear uh, yeah. on jetpacks. And they come in and they start, they you know, they form a perimeter around him and they just start wiping everybody out. And it's the first time you see them in action as a military force mm-hmm. and it's cool. It visually it's very cool. It was certainly unexpected. That was the last thing I th- thought was going to happen yeah. because of the, of what happens earlier in the episode. And you'll see what I mean when you watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had a sort of like Marvel Avengers feel to it. And I don't personally, I don't think that's a good thing, but I know a lot of people, uh, will um, and then he then at the very end and here's what I mean by this so he gets into his ship he takes off he's in the sky it's not like he's uh, you know 50 feet off the ground and out the window he looks to his right and out the window you see another Mandalorian flying along with him very much like in an, it really looked like Iron Man the film to me. Oh yeah. Not the armor, but just the kind of. Well, I I, I have a, you know, I have a, yeah. Oh yeah. And I have a suggestion about, I, I, um, 
Do you know who that is? Who who is? Do you know who that was? No. See, that's Favreau. That that Favreau is the Mandalorian guy that has the sweet, um, the 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 that has the sweet um gun who comes in who's got like the you know he's got like the battery. Oh, I had no. Oh, it was. I had yeah, no idea. That, that's yeah. That's the guy. That he, it's the same guy that Mando gets into the words with when they're at the um the blacksmith. And if you listen, if you really listen, like, cause the voice is, they, they deepened the voice a little bit. Plus he's a bigger guy because Favreau is, but if you listen, you can hear Favreau's voice. And here's the thing. Favreau has done the voice of another Mandalorian. He did it in the uh, Clone Wars show. Right. So right. if you, I, I joined one of those Mandalore Facebook fan groups, whatever. So I'm up. So now I have to watch for spoilers if I don't see it by <laughs> Friday, but everyone is like nerding. Everyone's nerding out crazy. Cause after, after the first week, you know, everyone was ending their posts with, you know, like, uh, I have spoken, like, they're like, Oh, I got to order this new Mandalorian Funko pop vinyl. I have spoken. And now it's all about, this is the way. So yes. all the catchphrases are catching on. But so when I, when I rewatched it last night, we watched it with some friends again, just to get them hooked on it, which worked. And, um, I was like, man, wait a minute, that's Favreau because Favreau has a little, it's not a lisp, but he has that, he has kind of like a jaw and a mouth where when he, it, he, when he, um, it, it's it's like there's a lot of tongue at the front of the mouth behind the teeth when he's when he says certain things and you, you only listen get the, for it you only get this kind of analysis from dave below people <laughs> no this i'm is... i'm an i'm an audio guy i'm the i'm the guy that any my wife and any girlfriend before me like i'm like i hear a voice on tv and i'm like oh that's stallone doing the buick or oh that's so and so like i pick out voices really easily and um but yeah so then i went back and then other people have confirmed it and so that so it, that's kind of like John Landis when he always um, like in all of his movies, there's somebody always says the line, see you next Wednesday. Um, that's like directors pop themselves in like to give themselves a little, you know, they get to have fun. They're doing all the work. They get to be in it. So Favreau gets to be this cool, the, uh, the, the cool um, canon Mandalore guy. And in the end, he's the guy that flies alongside, like Iron Man, considering he directed Iron Man. All right, and I get it. Okay. So, you know, I, get so it. I, I think that I was just it. that's just Favreau having fun because he's one of the bosses. And like, I'm going to be a jetpack Mandalorian. Yeah, I think that's just that's just ha that's just Favreau having fun because he's one of the bosses. And it's like, okay, if I'm going to do all this work, I get to be a sweet ass Mandalorian flying in a jetpack, and and then. I don't know if it was his idea or maybe someone else was like, dude, you got to fly up next to the ship like Iron Man. It's like there's all these layers of, you know, you know, the way Hitchcock would put him in himself into things. It's, I think that's one of those director things. That's basically episode three in a nutshell with a little analysis, a lot of analysis, actually. And um, I hope you guys are all enjoying this this show within a show. Uh, and we'll be doing this for the next, you know, the next episodes as well. And if you are, whatever service you're listening to this on, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud, uh, please like, subscribe, follow, and uh, and send, you know, send this along to somebody you think might enjoy it because, you know, we're not trying to sell anything here. This is free and it's fun and uh hopefully it uh helps you through your day a little hey, bit i got one so, for you uh, yeah i so i yeah when we were talking earlier and i was uh talking about how when mando 
the first note of sympathy that he has for the baby Yoda. I went back and um, found that spot. And I found the moment I was talking about with the body language and the, and the, the armor. It's if you go back and watch it, when he, they bring in baby Yoda, um, they're walking down the hall, the stormtrooper grabs the carriage. And that's when Mando says, Hey, be careful with that. You know, that's, that's one of the first moments of like, Hey, you know, this, that, that, that sense of, I don't know, maybe paternal protection going on, but they get into the room. And when the client and Dr. Pershing come over to examine it, Dr. Pershing, he pulls up his little doctor uh, laser scanner thing and he runs it over the baby Yoda's face. And it right at, it, it's that moment when the doctor goes to do that and he puts that thing in front of the baby Yoda and turns it on, they cut to Mando and he kind of stiffens up and takes this little step forward to look down. And, and it, ha- it definitely has this moment of like, wait, 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 what are you doing? You know, like, like this, this sense of like, yeah, that's, that's the, the shot. That's the shot where you can see, uh, the red light reflected yeah, in the, in yeah, the visor. A, but if you watch the, if you watch the body language, because he always just yeah. stands there and takes it in. So the fact that he leans in a little bit to, to want to, like, he wants to know what they're doing, even if he's just curious, but he's never like that. So that, that was the moment that right. that's the thing that I remember noticing, like, oh, he's, he's thinking. He's starting to feel now. He's he's slightly concerned, but he's still fighting it because he obviously, as soon as they open up the container, which by the way, I don't know if you've seen this online, so I'll send you the picture. Somebody's already figured out that's an old yogurt making machine that somebody that used you could buy in the eighties, <laughs> and um, they and it, there's a meme going around that when uh, when Vader and the Empire took take over Cloud City. And Empire Strikes Back, and they're showing all those scenes of everybody running down the hallways with their stuff in their hands. There's mm-hmm. a dude in like an orange brown jumpsuit who's carrying the exact same kind of container. So it, man, people have a lot of time <laughs> on their hands to break no, all they, this they down. No, they totally do. Holy Thank cow! Thank God Facebook, and that we don't have to go find it, but it's there. It's it's so cool. Yeah. And then some guy. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this one, and uh, I got some editing to do. And uh, again, everybody, thanks for thanks for checking in with us, and we will talk to you next week. Bye bye. Be cool. Thanks for listening to Creator Confidential. To get future episodes, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or follow the show on SoundCloud. For updates about future podcast episodes, essays. For live events, just text the word CREATOR to 66866. That's CREATOR to 66866. You can also visit us on the web, Twitter, or Facebook. CREATOR Confidential is a production of Force 10 Media and the Tuck Law Offices.